God, God, we love you, and uh, we we want to hear from you so bad this morning. God, we've had a, a great series in Multiply so far. I pray that that you would be with us here as we continue this series. God, as I pray every single week, I pray that you would just speak through me. That it wouldn't be, be my words that, that, uh, that are talking, God, but they would be your words. That the preparation I've put into this is only just a, only just a stepstone for you to get out and to you, for you to speak to your people on your day. God, we love you. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we are starting today, section three of our Multiply series. It's our Multiply is our all church study. We've been going through, uh, our small groups have been going through it. I've been preaching through it. If you haven't yet grabbed a book, uh, there's seven more books out on the table back there that you can grab. Uh, just go ahead and grab one. They're $3, but even if you don't have $3 this morning, that's totally fine. Just grab a book. Uh, there's, there's a, this is a good starting point for you. You don't have to read and catch up. Uh, you can start right here with us. And if you'd like to join a small group, uh, those are in the bulletin as well. We've got a Monday night one and a, and a Thursday morning one that you're able to, to join if you're interested, uh, just to, to kind of go through this study. It's kind of an all-immersive experience here for us as we go through this series, Multiply. And like I said, this is, we're starting part three today. Uh, part one was what is a disciple, right? What does it mean to be a disciple? What, what does it mean for me to follow Jesus the way that he would have me follow him? Right, and that really, the, the, if you got nothing else from me in session one, in, in section one, what I wanted you to hear was being a disciple is about holding so loosely to the things of this world and so tightly onto Christ that that is all that matters. That you will follow wherever he leads you, that you will go wherever he tells you to go, you will do what he tells you to do, you will be obedient to him because you, you hold so loosely onto your own life, onto your own things, and so tightly onto the things of Christ that you follow him. That's what it is to be a disciple. And then section two, we really talked about life in the church. What does it look like to be a part of a local church? That we are called to one another. That it's through our, our unity as a church that the world will know, first of all, that God sent Jesus. But second of all, that, that Jesus loves them. Right? John 17 lays it out for us. It's by our unity that the world will know. And then last week we talked about just having this global mindset as a church. Right? Thinking globally. Having diversity in our prayers. Not just praying for, for people that look like us or for the community just around us, but, but having some diversity in our prayers. So we're praying for, for, for the believers and, and the non-believers in Iraq and, and Africa in the same way that we're praying for our neighbors across the street in our community, right? We're, we're having this diversity in our prayers. That's what it is about to be, to be a global church. And today we're going to start section three. And section three is really kind of, in section one, right, we talked about being a disciple, the Great Commission, go therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. How can we teach all that he has commanded us if we don't know all that he has commanded us? And so section three, this section is really about this book that I hold in my hands, and hopefully you hold in yours as well. It's going to be about the Bible. And today, I just really want to talk about why. Why do we read the Bible? 
Why is it that we study this book? Why, why is it that this book is so important to us? Why is this book so important to our faith? I mean, Chan, Francis Chan in the book says, says, For a Christian, nothing should be more natural than reading the Bible. I want you to hear that. And, the, and this is in the multi book. If you haven't grabbed one, grab one. He says, For a Christian, nothing should be more natural than reading the Bible. Nothing should be more natural. Nothing should be more, more, more helpful than to read the Bible. I think it's helpful this morning to, to think about what the, the, what the Bible actually is. Right? How, what is the Bible? What is this book that we study? And why do we study? And so here's, here's just some facts about this book that I hold in my hands. This book is made from, written by, by 40, over 40 authors. There's 66 books in here. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New 1,189 chapters, 41,173 verses. The shortest chapter is Psalm 117. The longest chapter is Psalm 119. Right? It's kind of interesting. They were so close together. And Psalm 118 is really cool. So there's a little tidbit for you if you want to go read that later. Right? Longest verse is in Esther, Esther 8.9. Shortest verse, John 11.5. This book is written over 60 generations in three languages, and in 372, they got put together in what we hold in our hands right now. The Old Testament, the New Testament, each of these books in this order, call it the canon. Right, so for 1,700 years, this has been the Bible. And now, we have, and now we have different translations, right? We have different translations of the Bible. I'm reading from, from a TNIV. There's the NIV. There's the New American Standard. There's the King James, the New King James. There's, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all these translations that are of the Bible, right? I'm sure even in this building right now, there's probably at least 10 different translations of Scripture. But here's the, here's the cool thing about the Gospel, is that no matter the translation... It all talks about the same thing. It all focuses on, on, the same, on the same thing. There's all kinds of versions, but it's all the same gospel. We even have different metaphors that we use for the Bible, right? Let's play a little word association this morning. When I say the Bible, what do you think of? God's word. All right, there's one. Heard one back here. Scripture. Okay. What else? The truth. Good. The bread. The bread. That's a good one. All right. The way. The way. Nice. What do you say? Living water. Living water. Amen. Basic instructions. Basic instructions. There it is. Yeah. What is the the? There's an acronym, right? Bible. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. Isn't that what a? Yeah. <laughs> Right? There's all these different kind of metaphors, all these different images for Scripture. Some, sometimes people talk about the Bible as, as a love letter. Right? It's, a, it's a love letter to, to us as human beings from God. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a story of God's love for you and for me. The story of God trying to bring his people back to himself. Right, this, is the, this is a love story. It's a love letter written, written to you and me to just show us and tell us how much God loves us. 
Right? Some people think it's a, 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 the, the, just the story of God, which is the same thing. Right? The story of God. It's the story of, of God and, and his creation, and the story of the fall, and the story of the, the rest of Scripture from like Genesis 3 on to Revelation is a story of God trying to bring his people back to himself, trying for, to, for the redemption of the world, the salvation of the world. It's the story of God. Some people think it's a manual, right? Some people look at the Bible and they think this is a manual. This, this book right here, it tells you and it tells me how to live our lives, right? It's, a, it's not necessarily a rule book, but there's some good guidelines in here, right? We look at the life of Jesus and we look at how, how the Bible is calling us to, to live like Jesus, right? We look at, some of us look at the Old Testament law and we think some of those are, are still rules that we need to be following, right? There's, there's a lot of, a lot of people just think the Bible is, is a manual, some people think the Bible is, <clears throat> is the Word of God. I heard that a couple times this morning. Amen. The Word of God, which is true. All of these are true, right? Every single one of these has truth to them. But the Bible as the Word of God is probably the best way to look at this book. Amen. This book that I hold in my hands is the word of God. And if you really believe that this book that I hold in my hands and you hold in your hands is the word of God, then shouldn't it be something that we're more than just familiar with? I think so. If this really is the word of God, we should need to be diving into this thing. And I've I've told this story before of if someone was to, to give me a, when I, was, when I was in college, right, I met Rachel, my wife, on the very first day of college. It's a really cool story. I won't go into all of it, but I met her on the very first day of college. And we were best friends for the next year and a half. We weren't dating. We were just best friends. People would ask us, why aren't you guys dating? Why don't you guys get together? You're perfect for each other. What's going on here? And we just said, man, can't a guy and a girl just be friends, you know? Uh, and, uh, but there was one day where I just, I remember this switch. I could spend the rest of my life with this girl. And so one day, I took her out. We went jogging. And I said, Rachel, I want to talk to you. As we were walking back to the dorms after our jog, you got the courage right at the end, right? <laughs> I said, Rachel, I need to talk to you. I, I, I want to know something. I want to know if you want to be more than just friends. And here's the thing. I know that if you don't want to, that's fine. Because I'd rather be friends with you for the rest of my life than try something that doesn't work and then we're just not friends anymore, right? But, but here's the thing. If someone would have given me a book that had everything that I ever wanted to know about Rachel in it, you know how fast I would have read through that thing? <laughs> I would have studied that thing. I would have known every, every detail that I could know about her because I just wanted to know her. Right, here's the, the coolest thing about this book is this book contains everything that you need to know about the God who created the world and created you. 
about the God who sent his son to die for you so that you might have eternal life. This book has everything that you need to know. But yet, how fast do we read this thing? I mean, some of us even read it for the wrong reasons, right? We read it because we feel guilty. That's just something that good Christians do, right? If you're a good Christian, you're going to read this book. And if you don't, then you must be a bad Christian, right? And so I'm going to read this book out of duty, right? It's not the right way to read this. You don't read this book out of duty. Some people read this book just to, just to kind of have the knowledge, right? We read a couple weeks ago, knowledge puffs up, right? But we, this, sometimes we just want to know more, right? And that's not a bad thing to just know more, but it's what you're doing with knowledge. If, if the knowledge that you're getting is just to, to be able to spout off facts and to be able to, to know certain things, then, then you're reading it for the wrong reasons. Why do we read the Bible? What is the Bible even for? Why, why, would, why would God give us his word? Why do we study? Why do we read? I want to take just a, a scenic route kind of through scripture a little bit this morning. And just talk about why God gave us the word. And why we study it. Why we know it. If you want to open up your Bibles with me, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 16 this morning. Exodus chapter 16. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to read a little bit of it. This is a story of, of God providing the manna for his people in the wilderness. I love that sound. You just hear the sound of Bible pages flipping. It's one of my favorite sounds in the world. Exodus chapter 16, starting at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the Israelites said to them, if only, we had died, <clears throat> if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I just find this really interesting. Right? Moses and Aaron have brought them out of Egypt, out of, out of captivity. And now they're complaining. They want to go back right? because they're not fed and verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and to gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. I want you to, I want you to hear this though. Here, here <clears throat> verse 4. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. I will test them, see whether they follow my instructions. So you continue to read the story, they, they, a lot of them fail, right? A lot of them gather too much. And, and what happens when they gather too much? They try and, get, try and get more than they need, more maybe for the next day. They don't really quite believe that God is going to rain down this manna again. 
it turns into to mush, and then maggots get all over it, and it just turns gross. And the next day, God rains down manna again. And it happens, and it continues for 40 years. And if you turn a few more pages over, uh, past Leviticus, past Numbers, into Deuteronomy, uh, which if you're on our Bible reading plan, this is, this is part of your reading for this week. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> Starting at verse 1. Uh, these, well, I'm not going to read yet, right? These, the, God is, is uh, he's done this for 40 years. The Israelites have been in the desert for, for 40 years, and God has, has fed them. He has sustained them, right? God has, has done this, and he's, he's fed them. He's sustained them. People are about to go into the promised land, and God kind of recounts what, what he has done for them. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Starting at verse 1, be careful to follow every command that I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. And he kind of recounts a little bit, right? Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. And then God gives us the reason for why he has done this. To teach you that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Why did God give the Israelites the manna? Why did he do this for 40 years? And God just lays it out here to teach you that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Lord. Fast forward with me again. New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is, is uh, just beginning his ministry. The end of chapter 3, Jesus has, uh, has just been baptized by John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 4, immediately after Jesus is baptized, it says that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? Hear this again. I'll, I'll read this from Scripture in case you thought I was just saying that. Right? Here's what it says. Jesus was led, chapter 4, verse 1, by the Spirit, that's by God, he was led by God, by the Spirit of God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) The overstatement of the Bible, right there, right? After fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. That's an overstatement, but here's here's what Matthew is doing right here. Matthew is, is kind of contending here for the humanity of Jesus, right? He's letting us know that Jesus is not simply just God, right? Because God doesn't need food to sustain him, right? But Jesus was hungry. Jesus was human, right? And so after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written in Deuteronomy 8. He didn't say that. But it's written in Deuteronomy 8, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Jesus is affirming the, 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 what God has told the Israelites. And what most of Israel would know. They would remember this. This is a story that they've been told over and over and over again. This is an oral tradition at this point. That they, they understand like, that, that this story ends with God providing for us. This story ends. The manna came every single day. Right? If you continue reading in Deuteronomy chapter 8, actually, it tells, God tells the, the Israelites, keep, get some manna and put it in a jar and keep it. So that generations and generations will know that the Lord your God provided for you. Right? And so Jesus comes on the scene years later, and he's being tempted. If you're the son of man, turn these, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus just, just spouts out scripture. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word on every word of the Lord. Amen. Here's why we read Scripture. Because Scripture is the lifeblood of our faith. Amen. Amen. This book that we hold in our hands is the lifeblood of our faith. This is, the, this is where we go when we need a word from the Lord. This is where we go when we want to grow. This is where we go when we feel like there's nowhere else to go. This is the lifeblood of our faith. Amen. Now, is there, is there parts of this book that, that describe every single thing that we're going through in every single day of our lives? No. But man, there is some, some great stuff in this book that comes straight from God the Father, straight to you. This is the primary way that God the Father communicates with you, the disciple. The primary way. We pray and we listen, and sometimes we feel like, man, God, I've been listening to you. I've been listening for, for years, and I just feel like you haven't said anything to me. Man, open up your word. Because God speaks through this word every single day. You know what scripture says about itself? It says that God's word will never return void. That when you read this word, when you, when you, when you try and grasp this word, when you read it and you study it, and not just to, to read it because you have to, or not just to read it because you want to know a verse to be able to spout out when people ask you something, but when you read it to truly understand and to truly know the God who loves you, God's word will never return void. That this word stays within you. It comes within, comes within your heart. right? That's common language in the church. We, we hide the scripture in our heart. And what happens is when we go through life and when we're going through a rough time, what happens is all of a sudden, scripture comes to mind. And scripture comes to mind because we know it, because we've studied it, because we've gone after the God who we know loves us. Why? Because we love him as well. Why do we read the scripture? Because scripture sustains us more than any kind of food could ever sustain us scripture sustains us the church has had a practice of fasting for years and years and years here's what fasting really is fasting is is setting aside our need for physical food. 
in favor of just feasting on some spiritual food. To get our sustenance from no other place but God himself. To be able to say, God, I, I need you more than I need this food. I'm, I want to hunger for you more than I've ever hungered for a meal. I encourage you, if you've never tried fasting, and if you're able to physically fast, try it. Try it. If you can join me in fasting, I'm going to be fasting the next two days. Join me. Join me in fasting. Just see, just see the, the, the gospel and see the word come to life. That's my prayer for, for all who choose to do this with me, that the word would just come to life for them, that we would come to a, a deeper understanding of the sustaining nature of the word of God. Scripture talks about itself as well. If you go over to First Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 14. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Once again, we went to 1 Timothy last week, 2 Timothy this week. This is Paul talking to Timothy. This is Paul in jail, probably in one of, his, one of the last letters that Paul wrote here. And he's writing to Timothy. And this is really his, his kind of parting statement. Right, and my Bible, even the heading for this paragraph, is a final charge to Timothy. Right? This, is, this is Paul's kind of final, final statement to Timothy here. Probably one of the final statements he actually writes in his life. Here's what he says, starting at verse 14. Ah, we'll start at verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, Persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to, to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And here's kind of the last instruction for, for Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know that from you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be in thir- may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A couple of things I just want to show you about this verse here. Second Timothy, as, as Paul is writing here, he, he says this in, in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. All right, if you turn back, just probably a page, you might be on the same page, I don't know, in the, into chapter 1, verse 5. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am now persuaded, now lives in you also. Right? Paul knows Timothy. He knows the history of Timothy's life. And he's saying, <clears throat> he, he says this to him. As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. 
Right? This is, again, this, this family history that we're talking about in Deuteronomy, right? The, the telling the story to those coming behind us. You, you talk about leaving a legacy. Here's the legacy that I want to leave for my kids. I want my kids to know that Scripture is so important in their lives, that this book is more important than food could ever be. I'm not going to let my kids starve. I'm not going to let my kids go hungry. In the same way, I'm not going to let my kids not have this book. I'm going to teach my kids the scripture because this is, again, the lifeblood of our faith. And we see this as set an example right here in Timothy, right? Because you know from whom you've learned it. You've learned it from your grandmother Lois, right? And from your mother. You know this. It's really interesting here that, that Paul even is talking about the women in Timothy's life that have passed this along. It's not the men, it's that which would have been typical in the writings back then, but he's talking about the women. This is an interesting thing here. But he's saying, remember from whom you've learned this. I know your grandmother and your mother, they lived it, and they knew it, and it lives in you also. All right, we study the scripture. It's the lifeblood of our faith, and we pass it on. All right, scripture saves us. All right, verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Right, what do we read in Scripture? We read the Gospel. This is the story of, like we said, this is the story of God's redeeming work in the world. This is, the, this is a, a love story of how God loves you and wants you to return to Him. This is the story of God's redeeming love. This is the Gospel that saves you. Right, this, this, this Scripture, we study it because this is where we know, this is how we come to know the, the saving faith. In Jesus Christ, the saving knowledge in Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to earth, died and was buried, and on the third day rose again, defeating sin and defeating death so that you and I might have eternal life. I mean, this, this scripture is, is sustaining to us, right? It, it's supreme in our lives. We, we go to it. This scripture saves us. And I just, I, I want to just read this, this last part, the first part of verse 16, and we'll talk about maybe the other parts in the next couple weeks. All Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. This, again, is the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that, that God wrote it and just you know, dropped it down from the clouds and it landed someday, and this is... God's written word to us now. God, God moved and God, God used human beings like you and me to write this book, 40 plus authors, like I said earlier, to write this book so that you and I might understand the height and the depth of the love of God. Amen. It's God breathed. And if we really, truly believe that this book is the word of God. If we really truly believe that the Bible is the word of God to you and to me, then it should be a book that we are much more than just familiar with. Amen. This is a book that sustains us. This is a book that teaches us. This book, this Bible, is the lifeblood of our faith. And as Christians, what, is, what does Chan say? He said, as Christians, nothing should be more natural than reading this book. 
If you really truly believe that this is the word of God, then nothing should be more natural. My prayer for you today is that as you leave, you would find a passion for the word of God. That you would just go home hungry, not just for food, but to be in this book. That you would leave this place and just have such a desire to, to know the God in this book and to, to hear what he says about you and to, to know the love that he has for you. It's all right here. It's all right here. We need to be in it and we need to know it because this book sustains us. This book is the lifeblood of our faith. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I thank you for, for your grace this morning. God, this morning we just would pray that you would give us a passion for your word. That you would give us a hunger for you and a hunger for your word, God. That we would go home hungry, not just for lunch because it's lunchtime, but hungry for you. God, that we would know that, that this is your word to us and that we would, this would be a book that we're more than just familiar with, that we don't just read because we have to, but we read because we love you and we read because we know that this book teaches us and sustains us and it, it shows us how much that you love us. God, would we, would we just come to know this word? And over the next two weeks as we talk about how to study this, this word, and I pray that you would, you would just shape us. Would this week and the next two weeks, would they be formative in our faith for the rest of our lives as we talk about your word? God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we go? Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you. Just reach out your hands and just receive this blessing. May the God of all glory and the God of all peace and joy and love, may he go with you and ahead of you this week. May he give you a hunger for his word. May he give you a hunger for the knowledge of him. And may you use that to make a difference for him wherever you may find yourself this week. May he be bold. Go in peace. Amen and amen.